Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host today, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. Our guest today is Blake Bolden. She is currently a scout with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, she is the second female scout in the National Hockey League, the first black female scout. This is off the back of her career at Boston College uh, women's program, where she was an All-American, attended the uh, Frozen Four three times out of her four years at school. She went on to a professional career in the Canadian Women's Hockey League and in the National Women's Hockey League and uh, finished up her uh, pro stint. And, and we get to that a little bit where I, I thought she was retired, but it was actually just COVID that got in the way. Uh, she also played a year over in Switzerland. So we'll call it, cover all of that today. She is one of the more fun-loving and, and vibey, I'll, I'll borrow that word from her. Uh, she uses it in this podcast today. People I've met in hockey, she has such a, a brightness to her personality. She has such a commitment to being herself and, and a commitment to feeling gratitude for everything that this, this beautiful game has to offer while also being critical of how we can grow it. And we'll talk about that today. She is the group, uh, growth and inclusion specialist uh, on board with the Los Angeles Kings as well. So today, let's give a warm welcome to our guest, Blake Bolden. Blake, welcome to the Curious Competitor podcast. I am very excited uh, to have someone, I don't know, of your uh, brightness and, and confidence on the show. I always enjoy Aww. speaking with my female hockey counterparts. I have a lot of respect for the will that goes into your routine, your ability to, you know, find the next win because it's not always, you know, I, we're fortunate. I play in the National Hockey League. We have, you know, the, the Gatorade water bottles with our number all lined up and tape and towels. And it's pretty humbling every summer when you go back and, and have to, mm -hmm. you know, bootstrap your full equipment uh, management staff on your own. So I, I have a lot of respect for everything uh, you girls go through. And help me understand your origin story as we, you know, take our audience back uh, as a female hockey fan in the state of Ohio. Uh, yeah. How did you get into hockey and did you have any clue that this spark uh, for this for this crazy game that we both play would eventually lead to a life in hockey as you're you're currently living? Yeah, I mean, I, I love when I get this question because it always gives me a sense of gratitude. So when I was, what, four or five years old, my mom was a single mom, right? We're just trying to figure out what the next step is and long behold she meets a gentleman and his favorite sport is ice hockey and they cultivate a relationship he worked in um the gundarina in the ihl for the cleveland lumberjacks like throwback right yeah jock colander like i was just like this is so sick so he would take me <laughs> to the games and I would just be running around like a little six-year-old just being like, what is this like the Coliseum? Where am I right now? And the speed of the game, the physicality, I just loved it. It was just so much energy. And from there, I just remember being in the car on the way home like, yo, that looked dope. I want to learn how to play that. 
and immediately his eyes lit up and we just drove to play it against sports and I got all that second hand equipment and just put them on my feet and figured it out from there. Played against sports. What a, what a throwback that was. When we were at the U.S. development team in the spring, we did the same thing where, uh, you know, we all had our, we're fortunate where USA Hockey provided our gear and stuff, but we wanted to have these rollerblades because one of the kids on our team, Matt Grizzlick, had a freshly paved, for the Boston Bruins, I'm sure you know, yeah. uh, he had a freshly paved cul-de-sac. And so we'd set up these roller hockey tournaments with like $8 rollerblades and, and off yeah. we went. And so how was, I think you said something interesting uh, first off, beautiful use of the word gratitude uh, about your origin story. I think, you know, thinking back to how proud the little kid version of, of us would be for how far we've come in this game, like mm-hmm. we got to make some room for that. It's something that I don't necessarily reflect upon enough, but you made mention you were drawn to the energy of mm-hmm. the game. What about the energy? What about that in-person experience uh, was something that you had to have? And what part of you related to that? Why were you kind of a an energetic kid? Were you rambunctious? Were you frankly, just want to hit people? Like, what was it about the game? <laughs> um, I think I was an only child and I was really curious and I was super athletic. Like I was doing karate and gymnastics and those things are cool, but they're individual, you know, mm-hmm. and the team and the camaraderie and the fans, hockey fans, especially minor league hockey. It was wild. I was like, this is so exciting. I have to figure out how to how to jump in. So for me, I was instantly hooked. Like first game, had no idea that hockey was even a sport. I was a little black girl in Cleveland, Ohio. I was like, hockey? What is hockey? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what was your development path then? You, from played against sports, you gained some, you get some equipment and, and like I grew up, you know, we have a, uh common friend in Kendall Coyne, right? So I've asked her a lot of these questions and I had immense respect for Kendall just because I saw her. I saw the ponytail out with, you know, all the boys and, <laughs> the you know, her compete pony. level and the skating, uh, you know, ability that she had. And then even, you know, she was one of the first people I remember that modeled this whole concept of, you know, I grew up in uh, Southside Chicago, Orland Park uh, was the name of our suburb. And she was the one, the first person I knew to move away from home to for development mm-hmm. of the game. And mm-hmm. you know, I remember thinking like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to do that someday. This is what we do. Yeah. And so what were some of the next steps all the way to, how do I say this? It's Norwood High School you end up at? Northwood. Northwood, Northwood. Northwood. Yeah. Um, my handwriting's bad enough that I, I couldn't <laughs> read it. So how do you go from played against sports to Northwood? Oh, played against sports, pushing around a chair with tennis balls at the bottom of them and just figuring out what the heck inside and outside edges were, right? Like no idea. I was just solo dolo on the ice. My dad had fun, (laughs) fun relationships with, yeah, it was just me on the ice. We had, we had good relationships. I told you he worked at the rink, so he had players. And, and so I was familiar with like where to go because of him. Uh, I signed up for house hockey. I was on the B team. Like I had a hundred flex Sherwood wood stick. Like it was, it wasn't great. And, uh, I just went to power skating every Sunday. I don't even know why I started doing that, but my dad's like, you're going to power skating. I didn't know how to stop for the first two years on my left side. And so every like camp or clinic I would go to, they'd be like, stop on your left. And I would go, shh, psh, and like, you know, you've seen it a lot. A little cheater and, stop, uh, yeah. 
cheater stop and they were like no you got to learn how to do this so eventually i figured out how to skate kendall corn's an amazing skater and it was it was just like that was my token as well i was just like long strides love it just powerful because i was i was athletic and had to work on my hands next played boys hockey um after that house league realized that i was pretty gifted and then decided hey why not try out for the cleveland barons triple a boys hockey mm-hmm. <laughs> what could go wrong and so uh i made the team and it was the 91 barons i played megan bozak her and i were the only girls in the entire nwehl um and that was fun because we we were pretty tough competitors. I remember playing with Kendall Coyne, Bose, with Manon Mariam, um mm-hmm. at the Pee Wee Carnival Tournament back in the day. And uh, that's when I realized, okay, well, I think, I think I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to try to go as far as I can. And Northwood came knocking and they're like, hey, we, we need someone like you. Would you be interested in coming? And my parents are like, boarding school? What? And that was just the path I took. There was no college coach that was going to come to a boys hockey game to recruit a girl. So that was the decision we made as a family. So we just packed it up and went up there. So what was that like growing up in in youth hockey, uh, playing with and against boys? Like what character Uh, traits did you develop from this? What did you, uh, you know, do you have any horror stories, any highs, you know, of of teammates coming together? Give Give me some of the good, bad and the ugly. Oh, dude, I loved playing boys hockey. I think boys are just so cool. They're just connected, right? They're they're rough. I remember locker boxing in the locker room thinking I was like as strong as them. Not smart. I have like still (laughs) I still have a gash up underneath my chin from locker boxing when I was like 10 years old. Um, But yeah, the first the first season wasn't great. I was this black little girl coming in on the team and they're like, who the heck is this girl thinking she's going to play triple A boys hockey? It was a big deal back then. And I just had to earn my place. I had to have them respect me. I remember throwing a huge uh, hip check. Some guy went flying over my body and they were like, oh yeah, okay, Blake, like, you can hang with us. So from then on, it was great. The opponents stunk though. I mean, they were bullies. They would call me names. Parents in the stands would say crazy things. And because my mom's boyfriend was white, he would hear like, the worst of it because no one thought that he was connected to me. And I would overhear my parents in the in the house, in the kitchen, talking about like how disgraceful some of the people were that we played against. And we were just little kids trying to have fun, traveling, playing travel hockey, but people are tiger moms and dads out there, just like vicious. Yeah, Didn't like you, that I was kicking competitive them. sport. Yeah. can bring out some of the ugliest of, of yeah. humanity and, and people. I saw it, you know, I've played with uh, other black players, kids who were, you know, Jewish, uh, you know, any, any group of people, any minority that, you know, there were some, some difficult things to have to be heard. And, and I remember, yeah. you know, uh, you know, growing up around youth ranks and we'll get to that about, you know, how we can grow our game and, and what that even looks like. But so when you end up at Northwood, <laughs> how does this eventually project out for uh, your time at Boston College? Because I understand when you say Boston College and playing Division One hockey there, that's a big deal, male or female. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a it was a dream. It was a goal of mine ever since I, you know, when you go to like USA hockey camps when Mm -hmm. you're younger. So you go to like these little camps and all the coaches come in and they coach your team and you're on all these different colors. So one year, the head coach of Boston College, Katie King, came in and gave a speech. She's a four time Olympian. And I was just smitten. I was like, holy crap, I want to go to that school. Like, that's it. I went to Northwood. I, I was fortunate enough to see them play in the Frozen Four in Lake Placid. Uh, Herb Brooks Arena, which was sick. And they lost in double overtime to Minnesota Duluth. And for whatever reason in my brain, I'm like, that team's a go-getter. They're grinders. Like, I want to help build a program. I want to go there. And I was dope in high school. I was that I was that Quinn Hughes. I was that rushing up yeah. the ice, scoring goals, just like getting wild and crazy. And they're like, no, we want you. And I was like, oh, wow, full, full scholarship. My parents wouldn't be able to afford college. So that's the route we're taking. Check that off yeah. the box, you know? Yeah, I love that. Now, really, even as a, as a young boy growing up in the game, there wasn't even a conversation about the National Hockey League. It was really all about Division One and having the opportunity to be a student athlete and, and achieve yeah. a scholarship. And, um, you know, how were you able to manage both your studies and your, you know, personal play as a student athlete with Boston College? How was that? Well, BC is a pretty tough school. They put yeah. on a lot of work and they really the, the professors, they don't care that you play sports. They, they don't give you like a hall pass. They're like, no, you need to get this done. So we had a lot of resources in the athletic department, student services. We were like forced to sit in this room to study, to get all of our work done. We had, I don't know, five courses a semester where a lot of, a lot of universities have four or even less than that. So it was challenging, but if you didn't have good grades, you didn't play. So... There was no, you know, wavering on that. It was like, if you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you could not play. And my mom, who was a strong black woman, was like, I did not sacrifice for you to mess up in school and, you know, not work hard. So it was like, yes, ma'am, let's go. <laughs> let's focus on that because there were two points. You When you were talking about the USA Hockey uh, camps, for any of our listeners, uh, USA Hockey would put on these camps. I think it starts at age 14 uh, for both yeah. boys and girls. Was yours in uh, Rochester, New York as well? Yep. Yeah. So, yep. and you're a couple years older than me, so I, I assumed it was. I, I can't remember if they've changed it since, but they used to be called festivals, and now there are these hockey mm-hmm. camps where you go through like a, a state tournament where they mix up all the you know high end travel teams, uh, and you play in like this little showcase, and you eventually make it onto this regional camp. And actually, we would probably be. Did you play in the Ohio district then? Yeah, I did. was Ohio with Illinois. Uh, I can't remember. We were in Missouri, Wisconsin. I can't remember if Ohio was in there growing up. I, f- I feel like they weren't. I think Ohio was pretty big right. chunk in Pittsburgh and, and Detroit. Yeah, I, I think, think you were up with Pittsburgh, lumped. yeah. Because we were, uh, Michigan was our own for the boys. And anyway, you go to these, oh, like, okay. let's talk about the power of role model. Because those USA hockey camps were a big deal for me. They were the first time I was ever introduced to, you know, some of my favorite American, uh, you know, NHLers that I would go on to idolize and try and emulate my game after. Uh, yeah. You talk about, you know, being able to watch BC uh, lose to Minnesota Duluth. And as a role model now, right, for uh, young women in the game, young black women, uh, you know, trying to become hockey players, what did role models, your role models do for you in your career growing up? And how are you trying to carry that torch now, uh, given all you've been able to do in the game? 
Yeah, well, role models specifically for me were a bit different because in a role model, you kind of tend to go towards someone that you feel connected to that's similar towards you. So I didn't necessarily have a, a black or African-American role model in the sport. I just really enjoyed the 98 Nagano USA Olympic team, uh, Manom Rayom, who was my coach growing up um, for that peewee tournament. And just the women who I thought were successful, Angela Ruggiero, you know, Julie Chu, those people that are just like staples in hockey to this day, um, Haley Wickenheiser. So it was challenging for me. I was just like, well, I'm up here and I'm all alone and I love this game, but we're just going to see where it takes me. I've always been someone who I don't really overthink things. I just dive right in and I see what happens. And so to look back and to think, oh, little Blake, did you think you'd be on you know, the cover of a USA Hockey magazine, that magazine that you would pick up when you were a little girl and never saw anybody in those pages that looked like you. I would yeah. say, heck no. <laughs> so it's a, it's a huge deal now for me to be in this position to say, listen, I'm here, I work in the NHL, I work as a scout, I do this, I've played professional hockey, I, I went to college, like you can do that too, if you want. I love that. And let's transition to that with your role now with the LA Kings, because you are, I think it's the second female, first black female yeah, uh, NHL second. scout. Second yeah. right now, because who was the first? Cammie Granato, right? Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, Chicago, the Granato family are, are Chicago legends in hockey. Of course. What's that been like? Uh, how are you, you know, influencing the LA Kings staff? What are you learning from, you know, some of the hockey heavyweights that the organization has to feature? Uh, and what goals do you have professionally for, you know, what's next? Oh, man, there's so much in that question. Um, I can just say that, one, I'm I'm just so happy with the leadership that we have there to even take a chance on hiring a woman, even, you know, just a woman. Mm -hmm. And I was almost like a serendipitous happenstance where I was like, you're in San Diego. We are very interested in hiring someone that has a different perspective. And they just made the leap. Granted, I earned it because I've been playing hockey for 23 plus years, but it's different. And they were willing to make that jump. So from there, it's been a team and they've been like, hey, Blake, how can I help you? Hey, Blake, this is what we're doing. And they set high expectations. And it's like, it's just being a part of a hockey team. You're, I'm a part of the Los Angeles Kings and our number one mission is to make the best product, as you know. Right. And everybody's on board and bought in since I've been working there since January 2020. I've learned so much coming from a player to a scouting perspective. You just look at the game differently. What are some um, of those things? Well, for me, I mean, me breaking down myself is just hilarious to think about. If I were to rate myself, oh man, it's like you're your hardest critic. So I'm like, okay, sometimes her urgency's not there. Sometimes she's gotta be a little quicker on her feet, make decisions better. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just you analyzing the game and just having that that bird's eye view of watching plays develop. And then you can see, you know, someone might have a really awesome game or a couple games, and then, you know, weeks later someone's just crapped the bed because whatever circumstance that they're going through and you kind of just have to navigate that and keep track of your prospects. And it's, it's fun. Can't lie. It's, it's awesome. 
I love that. What was some of the hiring, you know, who, who is your boss with the LA Kings and what kind of was the hiring process? What was like, what was it like? Any highlights you can share? Yeah, well, I can tell you how I started working there. I was, I was mm-hmm. hanging out with Black Girl Hockey Club outside of Staples Center with um, Kwame Mason, who was with us mm-hmm. at the Wyclef um, filming. And so I was hanging out and I just met, I met Luke Robitaille because he came down to introduce himself to the group. And Luke was like, yo, like, I know everything about the women's game. Like, I know what you guys are doing, standing up. I think it's great. Congratulations. And then, bam, he's like, have you ever thought about being a scout? And I was like, uh, Luke Robitaille is asking me if I've thought about being a scout. I haven't, but I'm definitely interested. (laughs) And from there, it was just like a interview process. Go up, meet the crew, see if it was a good fit. Um, Meeting Rob Blake, first and foremost, was like the coolest moment moment ever yeah, I was just I was just standing next to him Nelson Emerson Luke Robitaille and we're just all chatting and I'm just like oh my god this is insane uh but the, but you they you would never know you know like you, they're just such cool people and they just want the best for for everyone um so I had to analyze some film give my feedback uh learn the system and from there it was just like Go out into the world and bring us back someone dope. And give us some feedback. Yeah. Go <laughs> yeah. find the next great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I'll have to pick your brain out what you think about my game since I heard what <laughs> such a brutal critic you are. <laughs> of um, myself. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, your pro career mm-hmm. started in 2013, drafted fifth overall uh, in the Canadian Women's Hockey League by the Boston Blades. What was that like? Ooh. Well, it was emotional because I thought that I was going to quit playing hockey. I thought after BC and I thought after not going to Sochi uh, for USA, Mm -hmm. I thought that I was done. So I just went home to Cleveland and I was really sad and depressed. And I was like, what am I going to do with this degree? And one moment I woke up and I said, I'm not going to stop playing hockey because I'm so good. And Boston drafted me. And I was like, this is, we'll see how, we'll, we'll see what happens. This is exciting. I love it. So you're, you joined the organization then, and eventually 2015, we're able to win a Clarkson Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the championship process like? And what about that championship experience that, you know, do you really remember and bring with you into your workplace today as a scout? Oh, it was the first championship that I've ever won as a as what you can call a professional athlete and all the women around me we just had this understanding that we weren't only just playing because it was fun we were playing to grow the sport and we had people like um Brianna Decker and Casey Bellamy and just all these USA hockey legends right now that are all grinding we've been doing this since day 1 right just pushing the sport so raising the cup together was just an amazing feeling and then the next day at 9 a.m i had to go to my nine to five <laughs> my job you used one word there that i want to stick with you and you've used grinder a couple times you use it with boston college and, and identifying their style of play you yeah. mentioned that you know when you're playing uh for the boston blades that you were grinding and i know you know as a, as a as a hockey player this is part of our culture we identify 
as grinders. I remember there was this great, I, I wasn't on the team at the time uh, with the Washington Capitals, but uh, I think it was Dale Hunter was the coach and he gives this speech about, you know, he comes in the room and he's asking the players like, you know, what are you, what, what are you guys? And he's asking, what, what are you guys? And everyone's like looking around like, I don't know. You're plumbers. Go out there and, you know, fucking plumb. That's <laughs> what he's saying. So it's a, it's a, it's a very integrated part of our culture, but I want to appreciate for a moment, just on the women's side of the, of, of pro sport and, and what your experience has been, what was your weekly schedule like oh, yeah. uh, at that time in 2015, uh, during that Clarkson cup run and, and to what degree were you grinding it out? Because I, I want to gift our <laughs> listener a little bit of what that looks like. I have an idea of the answer, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, for sure. Well, I worked at a nonprofit organization called Inner City Weightlifting. I was a student services manager, and basically we tried to get Boston's most at-risk youth inside the gym, teaching them how to become personal trainers and basically letting them out into the world to just have a different lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had that, which was kind of stressful almost. It was like case management. Um, basically trying to make these guys as successful as they can, given their backgrounds. And that was challenging. And I would have practice uh, on a daily basis at nine, 10 o'clock at night with a 45 to an hour drive away um, because that was the only ice that we can get at UM yeah. uh, UMass or I forget where it was, but it was, it was far. It was a D division three school in Boston. Um, and it was challenging. And then I would come back 1130, 12, 12 in the morning, go to sleep, get up, go to my job. We didn't fly that year. We were on a bus. So from Friday post work and sometimes thankfully my job was like, oh, you're a professional ice hockey player. Yeah, you can leave a little bit early. I would leave around three, meet the bus. So we would go to Toronto, which is 10 hours away. Mm. play a few games that weekend, drive 10 hours back, get home at four o'clock in the morning and then get up in the morning and do it all over <laughs> again for the next week. Oh man. Luckily I, uh... I worked in a gym basically because we were training these kids to be personal trainers. So I could work out at work. Imagine if I had to like find somewhere to work out at the, on top of all that. That's so true. Or heaven forbid you skipped one. What a, what a sin that would be. Um, yeah. So you end up becoming a back-to-back -back champion, different leagues, because you join the uh, National Women's Hockey League the next year. You win the inaugural. How do I say this, Isabel? Yeah, Isabel. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like, winning back-to-back -back championships in pro hockey? Different leagues, but I imagine the celebration was still felt similar. Yeah, it felt similar, but at the same time, it was almost like you felt the emotion because you thought you felt that hockey was changing because this was the first year that we actually got paid a salary, mm -hmm. if you can, a salary, um, at, but I still had to work full time. So that was just amazing just to add that on. It was like, we're going somewhere, women's hockey. Okay, we're doing it. Um, but Together as a team, we had a terrible tragedy um, in Denna Lang's um, injury at the uh, Winter Classic in Boston. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with that injury and with that tragedy as a team, we kind of came together and said, listen, we have to win this championship. And immediately upon winning it, we FaceTimed her and brought the, the cup to her, her hospital bed. Wow. 
So it was an amazing feeling winning the first and uh, being able to share that cup with her. What were, if any, similarities and differences between the two championship teams? Because I do like to ask anyone that I'm ever able to have on the podcast, like I haven't won a championship in pro sport uh, just yet. I've come close a couple times. We went to the Western Conference final uh, mm-hmm. to the eventual winner against the London Knights in my year with the, in the OHL. We had a couple high-end teams with the Hershey Bears. We were able to get to the second round in that. And then, you know, I thought we uh, really had a good chance to win with the Toronto Marlies when I got, you know, Delton was playing the American League there. Uh, in the NHL, I haven't gotten, uh, you know, out of the first round yet. But what were some of the similarities and differences between the two championship teams? I would say the biggest similarity were the people because we as a collective, we kind of made that jump from the CWHL to the NWHL. So basically all of Boston, the team that I won with before, we all went to Boston Pride in the NWHL. So we won it together again. So it was was amazing and empowering. And we, we all understood the struggles of women's hockey together and its progression. Um, I would say the differences are uh, just, just the, the time that, that you've put into it. I think when you evolve as an athlete, you become smarter, right? You become smarter and you allocate your time differently. um, You prioritize differently and you're just a little bit more of a veteran. So it it felt nice to be able to lead, um, especially the younger class coming in and sharing different experiences with them. But both experiences, winning two championships back to back, I mean, that's something that that rarely happens. And you just have to be so grateful that you've been able to experience that because that's a high that you'll be chasing every time you lace up your skates and it doesn't happen often. Yeah, it's the ultimate goal and and really the only goal. Right. Um, so let's let's transition a little bit to how we together and you particularly, how you've been able to make strides in terms of growing the game and what growing the game means to you. Because yeah. you've been, what do we have here? You've been named a Sports Illustrated list of most powerful women in sport. Uh, <laughs> you were number one out of the top 40 under 40 uh, by The Athletic for the sport of hockey. So you're clearly on um, the radar in terms of, you know, some big, important, powerful people out there uh, identifying talent and, and uh, personality in sport. And I'm curious what your goals are for our, you know, great game and how we can continue to share it with more and more groups of people. Yeah. I, my goals are to normalize differences in people in our sport and to celebrate them and to welcome those who, like me when I was four years old, who didn't even know what hockey was, right? So my goal is to put hockey on the map. My goal is to make hockey cool as Wyclef, you and I yeah. and Bryce and, and Blake were talking about. Hockey is so cool. We just got to share it with the people. We got to share our love for the, our sport with people that don't know anything about it. Um, so that is my goal to get more sticks in young kids' hands, to give them a smile, something to look forward to with hockey. I have changed tremendously 
with the experiences that I've had, good and bad. And I think team team sports and they just teach you something, right? They teach you something at they a do. younger age that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily learn if you hadn't played. And I think hockey is the most different, challenging sport on the planet. And if you can learn how to do that, you can really do anything. <laughs> it really is. Sometimes I'll watch the game, even when I've gotten uh, hurt over times in my career, and I'm watching from up upstairs like a scout might maybe would. And I'll think to myself, like, wow, these guys are good. Like, there's, there's no so way. Good. This game is crazy. Like, look how fast <laughs> it is. Look at the violence behind, you know, and the yeah. force behind a particular hit. And just be amazed that... You know, it was my dream, my goal to be able to play at that caliber. And the fact that I've been able to do it sometimes still catches me by surprise. It, it really can uh, wow me. And, and I feel whenever I'm able to share our game with somebody in person, there's something about the in-person element that is just so electrifying. And, you know, how how can we get more sticks into more kids' hands? Like what what does sharing the game look like? So for me... Maybe I'm more active on, you know, social media. That's a, a you know, a mm -hmm. low cost of entry way for me to share and try and, you know, explore uh, who I can interest in our game and, and interest in, in me. Um, what other things can NHLers like myself or, or other players, what do you challenge us to be able to do to help take these steps that we, we talk about? You know, I challenge everyone, and this is me including, is just to get out of your comfort zone and do something that you wouldn't think that you could do. So for you, you're out there in social media, and I think it's dope as heck that you started a podcast, Curious Competitor, like you're having conversations, and this is you getting out of your comfort zone and building relationships and sharing stories, which is so telling and so powerful. Um, so kudos to you. That's dope. Uh, for me personally, working with the Los Angeles Kings, not only as a scout, but a growth and inclusion specialist, our main goal is to get sticks into kids' hands, ball hockey to start you know, junior Kings, when you're ready to make that transition, if you're ready to make that transition, but we just don't want you to not play because you don't want, don't, because you don't think it's for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So our fans who are hopefully more on the cusp of becoming allies, we all just need to have this open heart, right? Our athletes, which you our athletes in the NHL to, to take a step out in the playoffs for those two games to say that social injustice is it's just not okay and we're here together those are huge for us for someone like me for communities of color for communities that have been marginalized just being brave right being brave is all anybody can ever ask um and i think with genuine trying just trying and not trying to do too much just being you i think i think it will slowly if everybody does their part it will slowly open up a bit more so and what kind of things are the la kings doing around the community to get more players uh more sticks are they just like going out and hosting i don't uh, know like street hockey games or are they doing like equipment drives yeah 
Yes. Oh, well, we love equipment drives to start. Right now, it's been challenging. We had ball hockey just up and running, and it was really exciting. Obviously, with that web everything that's going on in the world that's been challenging but our announcement with the alliance um the 11 Mm -hmm. teams in los angeles all the sports clubs coming together to fight social injustice is huge for the los angeles community especially because i think we're the one of the most diverse cities in the country right to be able to give kids resources um, to choose not maybe not to even just play, but just to educate themselves on the ways in which maybe sport can be a career path for you if that's something that you're interested in. So I think partnerships, not just sticking to one thing, right? Partnerships with everybody helps bring people together and in. Um, so for us, Yes, we want to give out free stuff. We have free stuff, take it. Get a hockey stick in your hand. Let's teach you how to use it. Let's make hockey cool with music, art, hip hop, celebrities. We live in Los Angeles. We've got Snoop Dogg. We've got the cool people to come on in. But, you know, other cities can think about being creative and creating their own alliances with other sports teams and different organizations like Black Girl Hockey Club or Hockey in Harlem or Ed Snyder Hockey Foundation and just finding a way to amplify those voices and maybe have a couple more on the map as well. Maybe we powwow on, we, maybe we have you as a recurring guest and we try and get Snoop Dogg on and ask him the same question. Hey. Like, Snoop, how do we get hockey into more people? Like, what are, what do you need from us as someone who didn't grow up playing? Um, yeah. You know, how, how, what do you need from us? What, how can we help? And, you know, see, I don't know. That'd be I a think- wild interview. See where it goes. Right. We can get Wyclef on here too, you know. Bring That's a good point. Back. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, I think I think it's great. I think really kids just want things to be cool. And I think us as athletes, we just have to be ourselves and show our personality. PK does a great job showing his personality. I see your personality. It's awesome. Kids just want stuff to relate to. They want stuff well, to learning. connect to. I, I was, you know, hyper serious and, and, you know, professional when I was younger and Mm-hmm. really nervous to be, you know, judged in the pro game. And that's why I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, PK. I'm not sure I've played with someone in, in the NHL that's had more fun than him. At the end of the day, yeah. we all got into this game because we loved it and we had fun. Yes. And he's like the kid that, you know, didn't die. Like he was a kid that didn't have the kid in him, you know, uh, ruined by coaches or, you know, adversity in the game. And I, I really commend him you know, for that. And even, you know, your relationship with the game, the way you talk about how dope it is and how grateful you are for all the experiences you've had, like there's something about the grittiness of hockey and the the longer you can stay in it can build a little bit of a hardness that I am trying to reject and, and avoid at all costs. And I don't know, what do you attribute to your personal brightness for all you've been through in the game? All of those, you know, comments up in the stands that, you know, you know, no one expected to get back to you, but maybe did through family who had heard them. How yeah. do you maintain this positivity that you exude? Um, I maintain it from my teammates, um, the girls in the locker room that support me, that lift me up, that have dance parties before the games. I maintain it 
through little girls coming up to me saying that they started playing hockey because of me or they look up to me because I was this person to them in the sport. That to me really makes me feel like I've found my purpose. And I think really a holistic person, if they found their purpose, they feel they feel whole. I feel I feel really good. I can sleep at night. I can wake up saying that, you know, I'm trying to make a difference in positive vibes in our game and in this world. And I think you can only be happy and positive about that. What 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 else is there to complain about? Yeah, there's no other option other than just continue to try to make strides and, and show up with the intent and yeah. the effort every day. And exactly. You know, if we can do that, I think uh, you'll be proud of yourself. As you can see, like I I love that you've used this concept of purpose and why. Um, what is your purpose and your why? Like, like, is that what it is? Making sure that little girls who look like you feel empowered for the next generation? Is that what it is? A part of it is, yeah. And a, and a part of me, the competitive part is the, I'm not going to let anything or anybody tear me down and tell me that I'm not going to do something. Um, so when we talk about youth sports and how you got through it, people, even some people that I was close to friends with family members with would ask me, why are you playing hockey? That's not for you. And I would be like, who are you to tell me it's not for me? This is what I want to do. So from that little girl, just having that strength, and support from her parents that I'll take that with me to my grave. That's not going anywhere. My my parents instilled fire. And from there, it's just snowballed into different avenues of and ways that you can touch people because it's really all about making relationships and, and giving, right? So if I can leave this sport better than when I found it, if I can change the people's parents' minds in the stands to say, hey, maybe not bully that little black girl who is so impressionable because it's not the right thing to do. Maybe our world will be better. Yeah. I think uh, you're the perfect person to really talk about the, the power of resiliency and not taking no for an answer and, and dream and making sure that you're trying to maybe not necessarily prove people wrong, but prove the people that believe in you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, cause I remember even in my childhood, like I did look like the guys on TV. I'm a white, male. And that's, you know, historically what the greatest percentage of the National Hockey League has been. Yeah. And even me, like I would grow up in school and what do you want to be when you grow up professional athlete? No, no. What do you, what do you actually want to do? I don't have another answer for you. Like I'm, I'm 12. I don't need another answer. What do you want right. to do? Like, and I, uh, this whole permission to dream, this, this license to try to be more, um, I really appreciate when I'm able to get a minute with someone that you know, embodies that the way you have. And I think what greater purpose, and because you, you commended me earlier for starting a podcast, and this was something that Colin Steingart and I, my producer and I talked about was, what are different ways you can leave the game of hockey better than you found it? Mm-hmm. And if I can encourage the next generation of junior player, of professional, you know, to be more open-minded, to be more curious, to be more competitive, to be more hungry, to be more holistically integrated. Yeah. That would be a huge win. And, you know, I try to exemplify that through my actions. uh, But I also feel that having some of these more well-rounded conversations, I think, can can be proof of the work that goes into showing up that way every day. That it's not something that you just always feel like. It really does take a conscious decision to, to show up in the world that way. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always intent behind every single action. And you're doing it, brother. Doing it. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I do want another shot at that. Now that you brought Wyclef up, I do want another shot at that rap. I thought Kwame said he was going to edit that out, and he dogged me. He did not. He did dog you. Yeah, he dogged me bad. That was not nice. You're like, you're like, take it out. You're like, I got you, bro. Yeah, yeah, not. It was just clickbait, um, you know? It was just clickbait. And whatever works, you know, whatever <laughs> I, I got to do to, you know, grow the, grow the game, grow, you know, the production we were working on, and... Over at Wyclef's house. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And we'll end it there. Done. We'll end it there. I do, uh, I want to ask you about Quentin Byfield and what it means for oh. a player, uh, a black player in our game getting drafted that high. Like what a special accomplishment had Magic Johnson tweet out at him, which I thought was sick. Um, Love it. What makes him so special? Because I know very little about him other than, you know, the draft coverage. What makes yeah. him so special as a as a player in person? What what can we be excited to see out of, you know, the number number two overall pick? You know, I think he's just going to be a game changer. He's got great size. You know, looking at his film, he's got great body positioning. He can protect the puck. I don't really think anybody's going to take it away from him. I think he's going to put it home if he's in the slot. Um but yeah, I'm just I'm just excited one because he came to the draft with a bow tie on, swagalicious, Fly. like flying. Just that's what our, were, that's what making hockey cool. That's what we need. That's what I'm saying. And LA is ready for it. You, like you said, Magic Johnson's reaching out to him. All the pro teams are like, "Yo, we love it, man. We can't wait to see you." Black people in the stands. Come on. We need that. And he's he seems really humble, too. He seems like a really good kid. And uh, I reached out to him. I was like, listen, bro, anything you need, I got you. I got your back. Bro. <laughs> I got you. So he's he's going to be a difference maker. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I was not happy to see L.A. take another 6-4 center behind <laughs> Kopitar. A couple <laughs> monsters down the middle. But... You know, oh, that's, that's Kobe's where the game's great. going. I think it, I think that's where the game went. Like, uh, like similar to basketball where it was kind of, you know, maybe big and slow to like small and skilled. And I, I'm super mm -hmm. excited to see this like NHL 2.0 when the game gets big and skilled, you know, cause no one ever argued oh, yeah. that size was an advantage. Um, right. but this game is getting, you know, so fast and so skilled by the day. I remember even from when I came in as a young Washington capital, 2013, 2014, you know, your third and fourth lines, it was we'll stick to that word again. It was grinders. It was guys that played North hockey. It was all chip-ins and very, yeah. you know, very physical uh, parts of the lineup. And now NHL teams are being so creative with every dollar they can use with the cap, with every position player they can, yeah. you know, to add scoring and, and, you know, that offensive uh, weapon element. It's like, like we keep championing. Our game is, is so cool and so exciting. We just need to bring it to more people. Right. It's evolving. I love I love this new hockey style we got going on. It's great. It's finesse. It's flashy. I don't know how you what do you call it when you go behind the net and you do this thing? Oh, like the lacrosse goal? Yeah. Like I will never forget the first time I ever saw it. And then I think it was Mikhail Granlin did it at I think it was at a world championships off like a full blown draw where he didn't even flex the stick. He just slid it. I thought that was wild. Uh, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Creative. I love it. I love it. I will, I will say that I did watch like 2012, 2014 LA Kings Stanley Cup <laughs> games like recently. Even then the game changed 
was different. So, it so just, different. It just, it just evolved so quickly. So, man. How are you helping contribute to that? Because I know you do some, you know, coaching and things like that. You do the workouts, uh, you know, yeah. given your background and in, in working in a gym and things like that. That makes more sense now. Yeah. Um, you know, that's been a passion of yours. Uh, when you are coaching, when you are leading, you know, younger players through training, what are some of your focuses? For me, I think quickness, agility, and explosivity, um, and just being athletic too. plyometrics, you're on one foot all the time while mm -hmm. you're skating. So it's very important to have good balance, good core stability, not be able to get knocked down, um, and reaction. So that sounds like a lot, but strength, strength is always strength, right? You can build that stuff up, but if you can break it down to be great and change a direction and great with your balance and great with your flexibility so you don't get injured, right? That's, that's where the, that's where you, where you're, where you're golden, I think. Yeah. It sounds like a lot you need to train in our game, but there's a lot that we need to be able to do in our game. It is. Heck yeah. A difficult sport played on these, you know, frozen little swords on, on a sheet of <laughs> ice. Like it's, it's, you know, it's not easy. It's a tough game. Oh Even for NHLers, you know, people will be like, uh, you know, I can't, I can't believe you're able to, you know, skate like that and play in the NHL. Like, I, I don't even know how to skate. Like, I'm still learning. And I, I'll say, yeah, I mean, I, inside edge, outside edge, like, you know, glide platform. That's what I work on every day still. You know, I'll, I'll send them videos of Sidney Crosby doing it on YouTube. Like, it's still, still the fundamentals of the game don't change. You can't ever stop with that. Like, you can always get better. And it's crazy. It's crazy. I actually started doing more inside edges and changing the way I skate because mm -hmm. I, I was leaning too forward. I was kicking too far back. I was overexerting myself. And someone was just like, listen, like, just wider stance and just explode out that way. And I, I had more endurance. I had more energy. I was playing like 30 plus minutes in the end mm -hmm. up. It was like, I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Efficiency is everything. So how has life changed since you stopped playing? How, how has that been? Or are you still, are you still playing anywhere on your own yeah. now? Until everyone asked me this question and I'm like, I played in the P-Dub last year, Corona's this year. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Luke Robitaille is like, yo, don't close the door if you don't need to. And I don't like using the word retire. So for me, it's like I said, I just, That's great advice. I just, I just let it go and see what happens. I'm, I'm pretty busy right now with the Kings and loving it. I feel like I'm making a larger impact right mm -hmm. now. Um, because I'm able to do something. Uh, so we're just going to see. We're going to see what happens. Yeah, I didn't mean to show you the door there because that's one thing I've always, I love picking retired players' brains because I feel like they have this, you know, rosy lens on the game and you're able to, hindsight's always 20 20. So you're able to kind right. of pick their brain and the overwhelming answer to, you know, any question I have to what it was like to stop playing, the answer is always play until they absolutely show you the door until there's nowhere you can play, continue to play. Don't stop. Don't even think about oh. stopping. When you think about stopping, just go play somewhere else. And yeah, it helps me appreciate, you know, everything that they rant about, you know, the, the beauty of a locker room, you know, the, the beauty of being on a team and, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a fun, special game that we play. And, and, you know, I, I try my very best to surround myself with people who remind me not to take it lightly. Don't, yeah, you're living the dream. We're all living the dream. If you're playing hockey, you're living the dream. <laughs> like, you're blessed, man. 
Aside from, I do want to end with, uh, before we let you go, because I want to respect your time, some of your highlights when you look back over the course of your career, because there was uh, your experience over in Switzerland. I uh, missed earlier, we were talking about your pro uh, career, you know, the two championships. What was, you know, looking back on where you're at, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. you're done. um, What has been the highlight of your career thus far? Oh, wow. Um, the highlight of my career has definitely been like one highlight or a couple. It's your show. You're the guest. Do what you Thanks, do. What you got to do. Yeah. You know, I really like, I mean, championships is, is obviously number one, raising a cup, being able to kiss it, celebrating with your, with your friends, with your teammates, with your family. Basically, that was like the sickest feeling ever. Like I said, you'll be chasing that every single time you lace up your skates and compete. Um, Also just being, uh, I would say winning defensive player of the year was really exciting for me because I had come back from Switzerland. I had a decent uh, showing there. I came back and decided not to go back to Boston, but to play in Buffalo where the Pagula Mm -hmm. family owned our uh, the buffalo buttes and they really treated us like professional athletes and kind of made a blueprint for how women's uh professional teams should be treated and should should be ran um so it was probably my favorite year ever playing was in 2019 we went to the championship we didn't win but it was the most fun year because for me it's all about the team it's all about how we vibe in the locker room the fun we're having the music we're playing the things we do getting stuck in snowstorms in buffalo and just like being like what do we do okay let's just make a pizza out of nothing together and drink wine and and hang out so for me it's just about having fun and the hockey is is obviously a cherry on top to follow up advice for younger players for either a young uh blake bolden or maybe a a a young man out there trying to you know embark on their youth hockey journey professional journey what advice would you give uh for someone who's maybe you know 9 10 11 all the way up to say 15. yeah Yeah, my advice would be to not conform and to figure out who you are um, because there's a lot of things happening. And I can say that 10-year-old Beat Blake was not her true self when she was 10, 11, 12. She was conforming. She was trying to fit in. And what we're asking for is diversity in our sports. So be proud of the person you are, the interests that you have, the the tweaks that make you you and and show it because we want to see it. I love that. I love that. I think we're getting there. I think all we had to do was make hockey players bored enough on quarantine where we took the game away <laughs> from where they had to go on a TikTok and social media and start to show some personalities. And yeah. I was making, I made a joke. I forget what I was talking to, but I said, you know, there's going to be some awkward interviews when hockey comes back after this quarantine <laughs> thing. Like people would be like, you know, uh, so please explain the TikTok that you filmed on May 7th of 2020 and players are just going to be twiddling their thumbs like, yeah, that was that was a different time, and I'm just gonna get pucks in deep now and <laughs> and keep it simple. And I don't know. I think our game is you know played by you know some uh, really interesting people from all over the world, and I'm yeah. I'm hoping that you know the more common uh, this permission to be ourselves becomes, uh, it's gonna bring out 
you know, the best in our people and the best in our game. And, and Blake, thank you for championing that. Thank for, thank you for your sense of fun that you bring to every room that oh. I've shared with you and to our game uh, in particular. And, you know, I definitely feel a particular sense of gratitude for, you know, still being able to play this, this beautiful game after talking with you today. And, um, so lucky to play our sport. So lucky. It's, yeah. it's got some, some brilliant, awesome, interesting characters in it. No question. For sure. Well, thanks for having me. I was so excited when you when you tweeted or whatever. I was like, yes, the gang's getting back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how can people find more of you on Instagram or I know you have a website as well? Yeah, it's blakebolden.com, but websites are kind of like whatever. So just go to go to Sport Blake, Twitter, Instagram. I'll be there. Maybe making some vegan gains or hanging out with my boyfriend who's a strength and conditioning coach and kicks my butt on a daily basis. <laughs> so I love it. there's always some fun things going on. I love it. Blake, thanks so much for your time and, and for sharing your story uh, with myself and our, our audience today. Thanks for having me guys. To wrap things up today, I really want to thank all of our listeners from around the world for sticking with us, with Blake and I. And I want to thank Blake for being so generous with her time. And I touched on a little bit in the intro, but there were three points I really want to boil down from today. And and number one is this, this concept that the spark of our life can kind of happen at any time. So for Blake, it happened as a young girl uh, growing up around Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you know, her mom, who was a single mom at a time, just happened to be dating this guy who was into hockey and it ended up uh, igniting the spark that has been to date Blake's life's work. And we never know when we may have this experience uh, where our, our life can change forever. And I think that it was really special to, to highlight that. And I thank her for sharing that story with us. And, and it's something I try and channel in my own life where you never exactly know all the answers. And sometimes that's okay. We never uh, need to know all of them. And sometimes we got to have some faith in, in the process that our life is on the journey that is on course for, you know, what's meant for us. The second point that I, you know, really appreciate Blake for is how she brings fun to everything she does and especially hockey. That, that's the reason as young players, we all get in this game. And now, you know, I'm guilty of it, even as a, as a professional, you know, you're, where you can get worried about uh, power play time and, and, you know, how we're on track for the season and what our playoff rank is. And all of those things are certainly important. And, you know, the competitiveness in us will never allow us to not care about those things. But for sure, we have to bring fun and play uh, and good vibes to the rink every day. And I think that as as people and as players will be brighter, more energized and, you know, able to, you know, be more resilient with whatever the game throws at us uh, when we're able to channel that. And then the third point that I thought was so cool for Blake is I, I you know, prompted her the question in our podcast today what was the power of role model in her life? And Blake made mention about the story, you know, where she was watching Boston college play Minnesota Duluth. And, and some of those girls on the ice were role models for her, but you know, to be frank, none of them really looked like her. None of them were black. And so she went on to, you know, identify that if, if we are struggling to find role models for ourselves, you know, Blake gave herself permission to go after becoming the role model uh, herself for the next generation, the role model she didn't have. And so if we're able to, you know, look around a room, it's something that I've considered even in my own career where, you know, if, if there's a, a behavior that's not being modeled that I, that I would like to see in a locker room, you know, that responsibility to, to show that and to be that person, uh, that might fall on my shoulders and I'm okay with that. And I really thought it was cool how Blake 
you know, was able to reflect on uh, the role models she was able to have growing up and, and sort of the lack thereof. Uh, and then, you know, has been able to step into her confidence as a modern day role model that she was, she had when she was growing up. So for all of our guests today, uh, thank you for joining. Please continue to like, uh, share and subscribe, you know, for our podcast. I, I try to read all the comments I can. I, I really appreciate each and every one, even the bad ones. Uh, I try to learn from all the feedback. Um, so please continue uh, to do that. And I thank you for that. And, you know, thank you for joining me again this week on our journey together to become a more curious competitor. I look forward to doing it again together next week. Thank you. Hey guys, it's producer Colin. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to let you guys know about a new way you can support the Curious Competitor podcast. We are super proud to have launched a Patreon with access to additional content, exclusive AMAs, and loyalty merchandise. If you could spare the cost of a latte a month, it would go a long way in supporting the expenses involved with the podcast, as well as supporting the people that make it happen. If you do not currently have the means to do so, please don't feel the need to donate. We will be providing this podcast continuously and hope you can find value in these conversations. If you're interested in supporting, visit patreon.com forward slash the curious competitor or check out the link in the show notes. Any support of the podcast is greatly appreciated. And as always, we look forward to seeing you next week.